0: Hey listeners of the Sweat Elite Podcast, Matt here again recording from Valencia in Spain where the Valencia Marathon will take place in two days time. I've just spent the last two days though up at Girona which is a short train ride north of Valencia on the east coast of Spain which is the home of many top or elite should I say cyclists and triathletes including Jan Frodeno who is arguably the greatest triathlete Ironman of all time. Olympic champion, world um, Ironman and half Ironman champion multiple times. I was actually heading up there, though, to catch up with old friend Freddie Ovette. So Freddie Ovette is the son of legendary middle distance runner and Olympic gold medalist Steve Ovet from the 80s. I've actually known Freddie for a long time. So Freddie's in, he, Freddie's in his mid-20s. Um, he's about six or seven years younger than I am. But he went to the same high school as I did. We actually did quite a bit of training together when he was a very good junior distance runner. So at the age of 14, 15, he was running right around two minutes for 800 meters. He ran a 151 a couple of years after that, still as a a teenager. And when I was running middle distance events in my late teens, early 20s, I was training with him. And he was actually able to keep up in some of the sessions with me or, or was quite close. And we were doing these under the guidance of Steve. So Steve actually helped me out for a few years there. Um, So I really wanted to go and catch up with Freddie because he's still, even though um, he he, uh, went to the University of Oregon straight out of of high school, but then he suffered a very bad uh, injury behind his knee, which was a bit of a mystery. We talk about that in this podcast, and he ended up converting to cycling over a couple of year period. Uh, He was approached by a very good team and coach in Melbourne, and he never looked back, and now he's over in Girona as a pro cyclist. So we talk on this podcast episode a lot about that about his growing up coach uh, being coached by his dad of course we share some stories because I was there as well and we talk about his conversion to cycling. We also spend a good half or even more of the episode talking about his dad and stories about his training his old school you know training philosophies his racing um Steve had a very raw old school um you know no data focused Uh, approach to training which obviously worked for him because he was one of the greatest middle distance runners of all time and we talk a lot about that in this podcast episode so anyone that's interested in listening to that this is the podcast episode to listen to the second podcast episode which was also recorded with Freddie, will be published tomorrow and that's all about 2020 so what is going to happen next year Will Kipchoge race Bikili? Will Wall race? Of course, we're not sure, but there are rumors going around. We talk a lot about them. And we also go into the track events, 1500, 800, 5K, 10K, talk about who are the favorites, a bit about the training of some of the favorites as well, which we've researched. So that episode will be published tomorrow, and we also also include the Valencia Marathon and 10K in that conversation that's happening in two days. So obviously the month of December um, 2019 as well, because Joshua Cheptegei will be trying to break... The world 10k record there. So that episode will be published tomorrow um, and that episode will be available to all listeners, not only subscribers, but this episode today. As usual, the preview will be available to uh, anyone and the full episode will be available to subscribers. So that's about enough from me in this intro. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode with Freddie Ovet, all about his upbringing and stories about Steve, and then stay tuned for the one tomorrow all about
1: running in 2020. Alright, greetings from Girona, Spain, where I'm sitting with
0: Freddie Ovette, who's been living here for about four years now? Did four you say years anything? almost. Yeah. It's okay. a long time. It is a long time. long time, time when I uh, still don't really speak that decent Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome to have another Australian accent on the Sweat Lead podcast. So thanks for joining. No, thanks, man.
1: Oh, we go way back. We do go way back. So, so uh...
0: Freddie Ovette is now a cyclist living over here in... In Spain in a in a big hub for spike for, for cycling in Europe uh, we'll get into that uh, very soon son of Ovett, legendary middle distance runner from the UK and Freddie and I went to the same school high school so that dates back to Wow well, 16 15 16 years ago yeah you're a few years younger than you're, you're six years younger than me but we were obviously doing a training back then 2006, and six, five. Yeah. This is a long time ago. Yeah, it uh, doesn't I've, feel like it though, actually, to be it, honest. It, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, uh, I've got
1: good memories, man. From back yeah, back. We'll,
0: we'll talk a bit about them. Yeah. But, um, no, I really appreciate the time tonight. Um, I've been based in Valencia this week because I'm doing the Valencia Marathon this week and Girona's about a four and a half hour train journey north. So I thought I'd come up and catch up and we can talk about what Freddie's been doing you know, in Girona. His, I guess, past. With running as well, because he was originally a runner and then made the shift to cycling in his early 20s, late teens. Uh, very late teens,
1: yeah. Very late
0: teens. Almost 20, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, ch- he's got plenty of stories to tell about his legendary father, some of which are very funny. Mm. Uh, Yeah, let's get into
1: it. Yeah, man. No, thanks for coming. Um, I'm glad that you're, to catch up. Like it's like you said, we couldn't remember when it was the last yeah. time. Yeah,
0: I mean, we spent a lot of time together sort of between 2005 and and two thousand and Twelve, yeah. But then I've been living in Europe. Yeah. You know, you've been you've been living in different place. You went to you went yeah, to you Oregon kind of, for a while.
1: Yeah. I mean, you kind of feel guilty of when when you sort of come across someone on Instagram or Facebook that you have a bit of history with. Yeah. And you're like, man, I don't keep in touch with this guy, but I should. Yeah, I should. Yeah. But, but you just don't. Like yeah. And I think that's just kind of a, a guy thing. We yeah. were just a bit like that. Yeah. Because you you were a bit of, you were like a bit of a mentor for me back in the day, mate. To be honest, no, like, I appreciate that. Yeah, you were you 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 were that guy that that I got a lot of my inspiration from I was going to say I was that guy that never improved (laughs) well I think we can get to that point at some stage but now you 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 just you have this ability to pump me up like I remember like back in the MSN days yeah we just get on that and we're just (laughs) like man I reckon you can run 216 or something when I was I don't know 10 <laughs> yeah, years. and I was like, yeah. "How How have you got a knowledge of a ten-year-old's like range?" Yeah, but you just did, and you just like, and I remember that we had we had good times, like I said. Yeah,
0: I do remember doing plenty of intervals around the TSS, <sighs> yeah. which is a high school in Australia, running to the beach and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, early mornings. I remember doing some interval sessions around the TSS ovals with your dad screaming at us yeah. a few times. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, we did.
1: We, we yeah. Yeah, you were a bit of a mentor. I looked up to you, man. I, we we had uh, plenty of uh, like cold winter nights, cold winter nights, yeah, back in the Gold Coast with yeah, Dad eating his packet of chips on the infield. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right.
0: No, I appreciate the kind words, and um, I reckon we start off with talking about where you came from. Uh, in in a sense, if you, you were a top middle distance runner in in sort of your late teenage years, you went to Oregon for a little while. Um, let's get started there and then how did you how did you end up in Girona being a, being a professional cyclist yeah I mean
1: it's it's a bizarre story really but yeah I mean as you know when I was young you know 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 I was just intent on being a world class middle distance runner and, and, I, and I was good it you was know, apparent very early on that yeah. I was I had this ability and obviously with with the story of my dad and everything it, it just sort of like spurred me on um You know, I was national champion over the cross country at at 10 years old, um, Pan Pacific champion the next year when I was 11, um, you know, over 800, which is just ridiculously young. But at that age, but many people do do start to shine at that age. Well, they yeah. do, and and Australia is just a place where you just get involved in sport young, and and looking back, it's like wow, 10, eleven, like who cares if you're cross country? Yeah, but you carried actually... that through all the way through to you. I did. I mean, I went through a growth spurt, and and it was difficult, and I I was always there, thereabouts, and never was I uh, I was so hard on myself.
0: Yeah, you were. I will admit that. I mean, you had you had. Insane talent, you had insane motivation. Yeah, you
1: were tough on yourself. I was like, I had some great performances, at, mm-hmm. you know, at like those GPS events, and I just was like, didn't run fast enough, Did I didn't win by far enough. Or
0: you're almost like, even though you were doing some really,
1: really big things at that age, mm-hmm. you were never content with no. your results. And I think that was n- nothing to do with dad personally, but yeah. just because of his. Um, I was trying to copy what he did. Yeah, I, I was like, okay, at fifteen he ran this, so if I don't run that, then it's been yep. a failure. That's that's got to be tough. Ridiculous, because you're,
0: because Steve was an absolute beast. He, when wasn't, he was not Just he,
1: that that was a problem. What he, <laughs> he was one of the greatest all time junior talents. Yeah, he was. He was 147 at like age what 16 like 16 or something. Right? Yeah, no, that's that's he, outrageous. he almost won the European Championship senior yeah. when he was 17. Yeah, I remember that. And, 145, I think, at that age. It's just outrageous.
0: Which is just crazy. like, and I was so. Most national records, this is 800 meters, and unfortunately, some listeners are probably more distance trying so to might not know, mm. but like most under 18 national records are not
1: under 150. No, I mean it, it's so, and he's, he's running 147, he was, and he was so. a big kid. He, he yeah. matured early, yeah, and I, I, I know that. And um, and he was just, he was just a freak, yeah. You know, he was just one of these guys that just comes along every now and then and yeah. just went all the way. And it, some, some are a bit different, like Sebco, for example. It took a bit of time to develop. Yeah, Dad was just there. You know, he'd he'd show up at the English. Schools and he'd win the long jump, high jump, shot put. Like he's just that guy, you know. Yeah. Um. So and I remember him telling me personally, you gotta stop doing this. You gotta yeah. stop comparing me. You just it's just not good. And I, and I was just you know you know what I was like yeah. just driven to to a not unhealthy degree. No, it was was not healthy. But but you never were happy with the results. Just calm down. Yeah,
0: You're like, mate, you're still running 151 at age, what was it, 16 or (laughs) It's still,
1: it's still the top
0: deal in the country. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It was, it was actually, it was a mentality I was still quite proud looking back on. It was a winner's mentality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a way it's good, but in a way... I think you've got to find some balance there you're being able to be happy with your performances yeah, yeah. sometimes yeah. yeah I mean, but um under the circumstances i I guess I could be forgiven um for for trying to uh not emulate but trying to follow in those footsteps because they those footsteps worked <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i and, and in my mind, I had like a secret weapon, yep, that I had this yep. this this guy in my back corner who was so supportive who was just like he had the answer to every. Uh, problem it was like, yeah. Dad, how do I warm up? Dad, how do I uh, eat? You know, a few hours before a race, and and for me, whatever he said, it was like gospel because he was one of the greatest. Yeah. And um, I, I looking back, it's like, okay, that's great, but it it worked for him, but it uh, even though I'm his son, it might not necessarily work for me. No, yeah. um, so I, I I I still climbed that ladder. I I got um. I got accepted on a scholarship to the University of Oregon, which was, again, a huge deal for me. Which
0: is one of the biggest running
1: colleges in the US. It, it was. Yeah. And, and, again, just my mentality. I, I, I couldn't accept anything less yeah. in my mind, which was, again, it's, you don't need to go to something that's been proven. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, anyways. But, um, so I went there and I and I, I had a, I was actually starting to train in a way that I believed I, I should have trained from a lot younger my dad was so intent on um, on not uh, pounding pounding mileage into me and I was just doing speed sessions even throughout cross country you know? and that worked and I was like 10, 11, 12 and then like 13, 14, 15, 16 I started to sort of slip a little bit in cross country in that because I just wasn't doing mileage yeah. and my dad was like you're just going to have to deal with this because I don't believe that's what you should be doing, and and I still might not agree with that because I just wasn't running that much. um But anyway,s I got to Oregon and they started to to give me some mileage, and I was responding really well. Yeah, like I remember some kilometer sessions, K reps. I'd start off at the start of the season when I got there, I was just terrible. Mm. I was like, I can't even last like four reps with these guys, and. You know, guys like Parker Stinson and Trevor Dunbar and these guys, they were doing like 10 reps, 11 reps. Yeah. I wasn't even like... I was like, wow, I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. And we did. We chipped away and I, I was getting better and better and I could sort of get to six or seven reps with these guys. And, I, and they're like, Dude, that's good for an 800-meter runner. And I was going to do the indoor season and then I, got, and I picked up this injury. I picked up this injury at the side of my... Back of my knee that no one could... Um, no one could put their finger on you know all the money and technology at Oregon they just couldn't work out what it was Mm -hmm. and it just didn't go away and it was the most frustrating period of my life it was just it was just like I'm so close to slowly sort of like maturing into a the, the sort of runner that I want to be and I like I'm still stuck in like yeah freshman sort of like guy who's just you know doing rehab work and i came back to australia and i started training with this um triathlon group not not with the intent to do triathlon at all but just to keep in shape because I, as you know i just love to train mm. and i wanted to keep fit can i just in, in, intercept here am i right in saying that even at that point you had already
0: been doing a bit of cycling or did that come after um, because i recall yeah you're so right. so so now now my memory's coming back to me our 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 mutual friend John Paulson yeah. who has started Black Sheep Cycling, yeah, uh, which is now a very successful um, cycling apparel brand. I remember being in Noosa with you both, and he went on a ride with you, and he came back. So Johnny's my age; you're obviously seven, six, seven years younger. Um, I don't remember what I was doing in Noosa, but Johnny said Freddie is an absolute beast on the on the bike now. I can't remember when that was. Was that before uh, you went to Oregon? It was well,
1: well, well before when I was. It was well before it. Yeah, yeah, it was when I was like, uh, you would have been sixteen. I was young. I was young, and I was doing triathlon um, simply just because I was good at it. Yeah, Um, and I I was hardly doing any swimming, but I got away with it. And I I was like, I I won quite a lot of races against some good guys, and never in my mind was like, I was gonna, I'm gonna be a triathlete. It was just like. Yeah, this is cool. I'm kind of good at it, and good at it, and it's yeah. great training for my running. Yeah. And I remember like guys like Johnny and and some triathletes because tri- Johnny ended up being like a semi professional. He was a good triathlete. He, he again, and
0: he, he he at that point when he was already becoming a semi professional triathlete, I remember very clearly him coming back from that ride going like Freddie kept up with me. I don't know how he did.
1: Yeah. That. Yeah, it was bizarre. I remember that ride. So you were already showing yeah. some talent yeah, at that we, point. we literally did like a hundred kilometer ride. Yeah, it was a big and one. I, and I was super young. And I think you were like, you were like kind of babysitting me. Because my, my dad was away. That's he, right. My dad was away commentating at that's a right. championship. And he mm. arranged for you to kind of just look after me. And we that's what I was doing. And man. then yeah. we trained together. And it was like, it was kind of fun actually. Yeah. Um, and then Johnny took me out. and I oh, think, And I think it was a bit of like, he messed up. Okay. I think he was like, "We're gonna ride to this race. You can watch us, and and then we'll ride back." And then it ended up being like three or four times the distance. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh my god, I've literally like brought a fourteen-year-old kid out on a four-hour ride." Yeah. I, I reckon was, you. I reckon you were fourteen or fifteen. I was young. Yeah. yeah. But but I was fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and Johnny was him. like, like yeah, yeah. So there was a there was glimmers so this is nine ten years ago at at that point yeah i guess there was glimmers of um but i you know i didn't you know you weren't thinking at that point no i mean i i I race with people now who who literally raced bikes when they were six seven years old yeah and i've i jumped on when i was 20 yeah
0: Um, okay so sorry for interrupting but now let's go back to you've started trying so i yeah, yeah
1: i joined in that group um, just with the because I it was the summer break in Oregon, yeah. And I, I, in my mind, I was going back and I was, and I was, yeah, you know, on my way to being a world class runner, or in you know, at least in my mind, probably not in a lot of people's mind. Um, and we started going out on the bike with these groups in Melbourne, and Melbourne's a bit of a Melbourne's a bit of a hub for cycling. It's kind of like, it's where a lot of the big riders have come from and the groups down there are pretty hardcore and pretty intense. And my triathlon coach would just send us out in these groups and it was very apparent very early on that I that I had something quite special mm-hmm. because I, I would ride away from people on climbs um, quite easily. And, and it, these people, the word would get around eventually back to me that, the people that, I'll be, that I was sort of riding away from were, like, domestic pros. Right. Like, guys who were, like, sort of full-time riders and sort of, you know, going well at top ten national sort of thing. Yeah. Or guys who were on national programs. And It must have bothered you a bit that you were just straight up keeping up with them. And, I, didn't, and, I didn't. And you were just getting into it. I think I was like, oh, this is, you know, arrogantly, like, this is just be- it's because I'm such a talented runner that yeah. I can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm a runner. Yeah. I'm not a recycler. So I'm a runner. Yeah. At that point, you were still thinking that, yeah, yeah. Um, And then, and then, sort of the national um, national institutes and Victorian Institute of Sports got in touch with me and were like, you know, come to a camp, come to a cycling camp. And I was like, I remember this. Yeah, I was like, this is this would be good training for um, for running again, you know. And I went out there and I did the same thing. I followed these guys up these climbs, these alpine climbs in uh, Falls Creek and these sorts of places, you know, long thirty twenty kilometer climbs not getting dropped you know one of the last guys standings like they they these camps were just like races like we just get to a climb and it just be full on. and the, the coach there who's a bit of a like a bit of a mythical sort of coaching figure sort of sat me down at the end of camp and basically i started that conversation as a runner and at the end of it he i was a cyclist he he wow. he, he was like look what a you, you can be a professional and i was like no nah, mate he was like no honestly I, I wouldn't waste your time yeah. and I've, I've always been a fan of cycling as you probably know yeah, I, always, yeah. I always watched the tour and yeah. Um, at that point I didn't think that I couldn't have a, a, a career in running I just thought that it was going to be a, I thought it was going to be incredibly difficult and, I, and athletics was kind of still is in a state that it just looked almost impossible to have a career it still um, is it still is it's very hard and cycling isn't that way no you know no. you can have a really good career yeah. and, and an enjoyable career i mean how many
0: take away the, the africans how many westerners distance runners actually make a full-time wage in running
1: the under 100 yeah i there? mean i i mean you're talking like from the from the 1500 to marathon like, yeah yeah you know and, and and but if you're talking just like for me an 800 1500 runner like making yeah, making yeah. a res, respectable living, I would say ten guys. Yeah, and cycling ten guys, man. <laughs> and cycling, you know, there's, you know, around six hundred. Yeah, you know, and it's still, like, uh, I would have even. I mean, you would know. I, I mean, even more. There, there's there's a lot of different tiers in cycling. Yeah. There's there's World Tour, which is the the guys that race the Tour de France. Yeah. Then there's Pro Continental. Some of those teams race the Tour de France, but then they race kind of a mix. Yeah and then there's continental and some of those guys get paid quite well at those lower levels so there is a big uh, group of professionals Mm -hmm. in in inverted commas Uh, but in running it's just like (laughs) did you make the Olympic final? no "Mm, yeah we're not sure if we are gonna (laughs) renew your Nike contract and it's like really dude? like this guy is putting 100 mile a week in and you know he's extremely talented compared to the world population but he, he can't get paid enough by certain corporations to, to continue yeah. to do that it's just sad
0: well yeah, and, yeah. I, and
1: i was i was brought up in a household where um my dad was lucky enough to be a part of this incredible time where where it was cool to be a runner yeah and it just slowly declined and, and he was always commenting on how how sad of the state athletics was so when this opportunity came up I'm like wow maybe i can um uh, be a full-time athlete which I just love I just love to train I love to race yep. and this person who, who was um, a bit of a figure telling me that I could do it I took it and um, the progression from there was was rapid yep. and I've, I've kind of find myself in a, in a pretty good spot right yeah. now still learning still continuing but it's um, yeah professional and enjoying it living living the dream sort of per se over here in Spain and um, Yeah. yeah so it's about 10 months
0: a year roughly you're here yeah, we normally go home for a couple of months a year back to Noosa. Yeah. Yeah. Noosa heads in uh, in Queensland, which is for those listening, maybe about an hour flight north of Sydney, which is very close to to, to my home, the Gold Coast.
1: Um, yeah. So, what's the team you're representing now, and how so, does that work? So, for the last half of this year, I rode for a team called Israel Cycling Academy, which obviously is is funded by Israel, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and Israel recently have just had a. A massive uh, interest in cycling okay. and that comes from basically um, one person in particular, Sylvan Adams, who's uh, a billionaire but also a massive fan of cycling okay. and he had this vision a few years ago of I want to have uh, Jewish or Israeli riders racing the Tour de France how am I going to do that? I'm going to make my own cycling team. Right. And uh, that, that's what he did. And and as of next year, that team's going to be world tour. So they will be racing the Tour de France and there will be Jewish riders um, on that team racing there. I'm still working out currently how I'm going to fit into all of that. But, okay. um But, yeah, it's, it's it's looking quite good. And, yeah, we'll just uh, see what happens in the next, uh, next few weeks, actually. We'll, we'll just come to some decisions for the next year. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And you're living here
0: now, as I said at the start, almost four years. You've found yourself with a girlfriend. You've sort of really settled here and you're you in the dream, as you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: four years, it's actually, it's, it's a whole Olympic cycle, isn't it? It's it's a long time. Yeah. And, but yeah, Gerona's home for me. I've got a, a local girlfriend that, you know, I yep. could be happier with. Awesome. Um, I've got a great community of friends and training partners here. Um, I just, yeah, I'm just sort of in love with the Spanish lifestyle. You know, yep. it's just it's super low-key Opposite to Australia these days, and yeah, yeah big fan of the food, the roads, the mountains, the beaches.
0: It's um, this is this is home awesome. Now, I had the idea of having you on the podcast when I came to realize a couple of months ago now how clued in you still were about running, definitely. Yeah, because when you realized I was going to be at Ineos Challenge, yeah. you had the idea of coming to join, it I didn't did. work, it didn't work out. There was unlimited, there was not enough availability on the flights to come last minute, but we then sort of kept talking about different things and I was like, this guy's still got his head well and truly in the running world and I yeah. thought it'd be really good to obviously tell some stories about your dad because he's such a, lacking the right word here, but obviously a legend in the sport, but also we can talk about plenty of other things going on. Like, you know, we just met at a cafe before this chat and we spoke about that that event that happened in Portland where those guys ran that super quick 5K time, Wits. And you were, you know we were talking a bit about that, so yeah. yeah. I think listeners would be interested to hear a bit about about our opinions on that. So let's start there. I mean uh, actually let's take a step back, Ineel's challenge. Yeah, um, you were gonna head over, you couldn't come. Well, yeah. What did you think about that whole um, that whole thing? I
1: mean it was very well commercialised. Yeah. So and, and that appeals not only to to runners like the listeners and, and ourselves who who are fans of running and, and have run or do run. It also appealed to you know my cycling friends are like yeah. are you going to tune in to, to see if Kipchoge breaks two hours I'm like dude do you know Kipchoge is? <laughs> like yeah. I've been following this guy since he was beating Algerouz in Paris yeah and and you're like talking to me like you, you know you know him as well as me yeah. right yeah. so I think Ineos did a great job of, of promoting it in that way better than Nike did at Monza um, and it was a spectacle. And 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 I'm not sure I agree with um, how the, the sub two hours was achieved in terms of you know the the course and the pacemaking and all this sort of thing. But a human did run an under two hours for for a marathon, and it captured people's imaginations. And it the 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 beauty was that it captured everyone's imagination. Yeah. And you saw that on Instagram and everything. That's like. People who don't care about marathon running or people who don't care, you know, about kipchoge or anything, did care for those for that next sort of day or two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the lead up, I was like, wow, it'd be. I was on my break at that time, and I wanted to do something cool in my break. And then I saw you were there, and obviously it didn't work out for me to come out. But um, yeah, it was pretty cool, man. Yeah, it was a good. Ex- yeah, it was. Yeah, I fully agree with
0: what you said then when you said you didn't like the way that the sub 2 was achieved but it was still at the same time yeah I mean it was still awesome for the sport but at the same achieved, time it was achieved
1: but then it, again it, it wasn't achieved yeah and, it and, wasn't a real... and I do think Kipchoge or Bikili can break 2 hours in Berlin or something yeah. I, I do think he, that can happen next year okay. for sure yeah um, and for me that will be more impressive and for you I'm sure that will be more impressive yeah, absolutely um, and I, they're on that track they, uh,
0: the most important thing in my opinion will, will be to have to those two well, those two together, but also a, a very good pacer
1: or, yeah. or a few. Yeah. That's going to be the main. Thing. That's the problem, though. Is who can do they that? They can't. Uh, yeah, like I remember, like we we're speaking about that Portland track race, and how I think I read that Moa met. Yeah, like he pulled off with 400 meters to go. Yeah. So we're talking about now the
0: there was. A, let's just quickly give listeners a, a background. So about a, m- a month before the World Championships in Doha. At World Athletics Championships, there was a 5K race. Some are probably familiar with this, but um, it was a race set up for a few guys from the US to run a 5K by to, Nike By Nike at the Nike headquarters in Portland, and a number of very strange and, and, and amazing things happened in that race. So the three guys that were racing all ran huge personal bests, I think. Yeah, they all threw. All three did. Oh, no. Or did... Uh, Centrowitz did. Um Woody Kincaid. Kincaid did. He ran 12.58, which was about a 14-second PB. There was someone else in there. Uh, it was... Um, bumble no? no, it was uh, uh, Lopez Lamont. That's the one. Now, I don't know if he ran a PB. He ran 13 minutes flat. I think that was a PB. <laughs> but mean, basically, <laughs> the first first ran 12.58 and the last ran 13 flat, which, which is just in, insane how fast that is. But you just said then, uh, you made a good point that... Um,
1: Pacer pulled off with a lap to go, which is strange. Pace, it is it's, it's bizarre because I, I said this to you earlier like, we've both done pacing jobs. Me, hard, like, when I was super young, didn't know what I was doing. But <laughs> the, the beauty with, with pacemaking is you've, you've got to get out a free jail card. Yeah, you, you, you're allowed to quit the race at any point and really. whenever you want. And it's always the case when you do a pacemaking job that you, you, you get out. And then you, your coach or your whatever comes up to you and says, how did you feel? Like, man, I felt good. Yeah. And it's like, really? It's like, yeah, I did. Do you reckon you could have kept going? Man, I reckon I could have kept going. Yeah. Like, I reckon I'm in shape. You know? and, and it's like this great positive. like, But you were still so far from finishing that realistically in your mind, you, you still can't convince yourself that you're capable of doing whatever the finishers did. Yeah. And the bizarre thing that I have read—I'm not sure if it's true—but that Mohamed pulled off with 400 to go. Oh, yeah. Are you? Again, I didn't look this up beforehand. I could have read this wrong. Yeah. Like don't quite. Okay. Mind. Okay. But if I know, I, I know he paced a long way. Either way, yeah. I don't know how far it was. If it's true but, that it, like he pulled yeah. off with 400 to go, is is for me, it's just baffling because yeah. the demons that you've confronted to get to that point—they come through the halfway, like.
0: Like they're at two to two man. K to three and a half K. Once, at that pace. But once you once you've done eighty percent of a race, you're you you're home almost. Yeah. So how
1: often do people quit in the last twenty percent? Mate, like it's like it's, seeing someone at the diamond league like brand song, whatever, that hundred, like getting to seven fifty and like still <laughs> leading the race and like, yeah done. Like, yeah. I'm still gonna get my paycheck regardless. It's like, man, keep going. Like yeah, yeah. you know, and and yeah. I, I I bring this up. Um to correlate with Kipchoge's pacemakers, yeah, because uh, it's it's almost impossible to find someone that, that can go the distance, and you need someone. The marathon's a bizarre thing that it's kind of like guys are already dropping off at halfway, yeah. You know, like guys like Mo Farah in, in big like Chicago marathons, is like yeah, he started to drop off at at twenty k. It's like twenty k you don't have guys in 800s dropping off at 350, 400 no. you, it just doesn't get to that point so the, so the pacemakers themselves need to be guys that can run like 202 marathons yeah. in the first place yeah. and there's not that many of them around no. and I and so, sorry there's a strange um, comparison with Mohamed but Mohamed is a yeah, world, yeah, world yeah. class yeah. 5k run yeah. I don't know what he finished at Doha but it was like I think it was higher. Dude, it was like third or four. Yeah, like, yeah, the guys, like top three five k run in the world. Yeah, and he still he didn't finish that race. He it was, paced probably, it. It was probably planned. Yeah, no,
0: your your, your comparison or correlation is one hundred percent right. You're going to need to have you're you you getting to the end point where you're going to need to have someone that's like a top five in the world marathon to pace them. And like yeah, for,
1: for it to be as successful as it could be. And and if he didn't last to like twenty five k it would be like yeah fair enough man like, yeah, yeah. like you went through in 59 something Yeah, you know like I understand that so the problem for me isn't Kipchoge or Bikili being capable running two hours under two hours they've proven that yeah. they, they, they can they, I'm sure both of them can do it but it's a problem of the help that they can have in order to do that yeah um, that's the problem Yeah. um so it's really cool that you believe that they can do it in a race I'm time. sure of it. Like, yeah. the, like just their performances of what they've done peculiarly on the track in particular Yeah. it's just like if you do the maths it, it's just like these, this This guy should be, be able to run 59 minutes for a marathon easy yeah like he's doing he's, he's knocking off 60 second laps in a 5k yeah like it's just that is outrageous yeah that to me that is more outrageous than a sub-tweller marathon yeah no very true awesome
0: so yeah let's keep carrying on with the talk about the 5k because that was <laughs> that was weird and I want to debunk or not debunk so I, I, I want, I want I, I've d-
1: always been a fan of like these these like bizarre stories that happen yeah. in, in running and because it's just like uh I remember, like, my dad would get emailed the results from IAAF of, like, the the Diamond Leagues or the Golden Leagues, as they used to be called. And yeah. I'd, I'd always be like, oh, what did they run? Like, so keen on knowing. And he'd be like, like, Kip so-and-so ran 12.55 in Brussels. And I'd just be like, oh, really? they <laughs> like, yeah, who's that? You know, for him, it wasn't interesting. But for me, it was. And I've kind of come to that way in the Diamond League now where I'm just kind of like, it's not that interesting no me it's very anymore. rarely the results really that, that really capture your imagination but then when you hear about this bizarre race it's kind of set up in in a sort of cold Portland night and and, and three guys managed to almost break um, 30 minutes one yeah. guy did it's kind of I want to know how that happened yeah. who was there uh, why that happened what they were doing yep. you know and it's a bit of a strange like sort of curiosity but I don't know yeah it's kind no, of like I like, was the same theory, when like,
0: I read about it I was trying to research it going how what happened here? yeah because
1: there wasn't that much sort of um, publicity about it because I mean I'm sure Nike just sort of threw it together yeah and then they're like hey guys like Sentra a 1300 guy now and everyone's like wait what yeah. Sentra like I didn't know he could run back quick for 5k
0: let's put some things into perspective just quickly so To break, Ham, there's not many Western guys, or not many guys in general, that have run under thirty minutes, Craig Motram, who is one of the best ever non-African 5K guys, oh, has a personal yeah. best of 1255. Yeah. Five seconds under the 13-minute mark. Yeah. To qualify for the Olympics automatically, it's sub-12 1312. Uh, yeah. I think. And that's come down a lot in yeah. the last few years. It used to be 1320. Yeah. So once you're a once you're like a sub-1320 guy, you're 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 up there. Once yeah. you're a sub. guy you're taken pretty seriously yeah in a a sense of like you'll automatically get a start anywhere yeah once you're a sub-13 guy or you're a 13 flat guy that's like okay now you're like top 10-15 in the
1: world three guys do this yeah. in one race yeah. with with a pacer, especially as a Westerner. Yeah, especially as a Westerner, it's it's, it's, a, it's just a huge deal. Yeah, like I I remember when Moorcroft ran thirteen zero zero by himself yeah. in, in Oslo, I think. Yeah, and Dad was there in the stands and was like, he said that it was almost one of the most incredible things he's seen in yeah. his life. Like a, just this, a guy basically without pacemakers, he ran thirteen zero zero by himself. <laughs> like. It, it, and, and you no one talks about Dave Moorcroft in nineteen I don't know, eighty one or whatever. Yeah. You know. Um, but then three guys, or I don't know, Ingrid Printson for example, I think one of them has thirteen oh two. Thirteen oh two. Yeah. So and, and 30-0-1, 30-0-2? It's thirteen oh one two. I think Philip has broken thirteen. But but um not sure. But, but the, young the youngest one, one.
0: ran thirteen oh one or two this year, yeah. and he looked he looked good. And this is a prod this is like a project. Hey, like. no, no, that's the five k national. That, that's their national record. Okay. Right? I actually, for some reason, I was on uh Jacob's Instagram the other day, and it yeah. says he's got the five k national record. Yeah. So, but so I, they, think, uh, I think I think the brothers come pretty close. They do. Yeah. yeah.
1: And these guys are like you know, they're, they're like all that's spoken about in athletics at yeah. the moment. Yeah. Um. So they haven't done it. No. Or, or at least we don't think they have maybe one of them has I don't know yeah. and then three guys and, and not just any old guys okay like Lopez Central, Centrowitz Kincaid I don't know much about No, no, uh, no. I don't think you know much about no. and he beat both of those guys yeah. I'm not saying I'm not um, mm. trying to like say that anything uh, sketchy's gone on because I don't believe that at all but it, it, it's it's just fascinating so and, and Woody
0: Kincaid how, how do you say his last name? Woody Kincaid Kincaid he won in 1258 now he was a Oh, I, should, I feel bad. I should have researched this specifically before it. But I think he was about a thirteen ten or
1: thirteen twelve guy. Yeah, I mean he's he's in, so he's in that group for a reason. Yeah, he's in Schumacher's group for a reason. He's yeah. obviously done plenty of things that we haven't researched. Yeah, um, he 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 was a tw- I think he was a thirteen twelve well, or ten probably, or eleven. A but to drop NCAA, from there yeah.
0: to twelve fifty eight in one race, and there was a let's go through the quick rumors that were that were, we read about one. He was
1: sick. yeah. That, that one I picked up actually. I, I, I don't know why, but these, these these just things fascinate me, but as an athlete as well, yeah like you, we both know that when you get sick, it's like the end of the world, especially before a race. Yeah. It's like how's this happened? Why is this happened? I can't believe the timing of this. And nine times out of ten when you do race or try and perform. It's usually not what you wanted it to be because the, the body's under, a, it's infection. It's, you know, it's, it's just not good for you. And apparently he went up to Schumacher in the warm up and was like, dude, I'm sick. And then Schumacher's like, no, you're not. And he's like, yeah, I had a sore throat this morning. And then Schumacher's like, oh, like, just get in there. Dude, just get in there. You'll be right. And Kink- <laughs> like, Glad he listened. Kincaid was like, all oh, right, man, like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be terrible. And then yeah. thirty minutes later, the guy's just like just done something he definitely probably didn't think he could do. No,
0: he, I, I've I've listened to he he has a podcast. Oh yeah, uh, I don't remember what it's called. It's called something like uh, the Price of the Mile or something like that, or something like something something like that. And uh, I listened to a podcast episode he he rolled out um, released a few weeks after that, and he did say that he never thought he would run yeah. that quick. Um, he also said not on the podcast but he was interviewed after the race and he did say he felt like garbage warming up yeah and he said even there was even something I think I've got this right that he even thought about stopping in the race he felt so crap. Yeah.
1: And, and and then he just in, held on and, as uh, actually like hearing that stuff it's just like it, it's, it's really nice yeah because we all go through those things I'm sure your listeners do as well yeah where they are sick or they, yeah. they are warming up and they feel terrible but then you hear these stories about guys who've felt the same and then gone on to do incredible performances. 100%, yeah. So like I I I, I kind of seek inspiration from things like that and like Chapeau, like well done, uh, Kincaid. Like you know, I, you know I'm sure he's going to kick on to do some uh, pretty cool things in the future because yeah. like we said, 30 minutes is one of those barriers that it's are, a huge barrier. I, I maybe wouldn't put it in the same league as is no, it's not in the same league as sub 330. It's not, but it's not far off. It's not far off. Yeah, know. sub three thirty is a. That's slightly. Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's a different. That's kind
0: thing. of equivalent to probably twelve fifty. I'd say sub twelve fifty. Yeah, I'd say it, sub. It's, it's, it's definitely. It's definitely twelve fifty five s- at least. Maybe, yeah.
1: maybe, maybe not. I don't it's probably. It's probably like
0: running a 205 marathon. Yeah, well, that, but there's just so many guys running 205 five marathons. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. It, yeah. yeah that it's 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 legitimate. It's serious. Subverting. It <laughs> it's incredible, especially <laughs> yeah. by a Westerner. It yeah. is,
1: and, and that's why um, this this little bizarre thing that we've sort of ranted on about, um, yeah. captured my imagination. No, I think it's a good thing to rant about because
0: I would go as far to say as many people have thought about that and and haven't really talked about it mm. and thought like we just have. So, yeah. No. Yeah, it's like over, it.
1: it's just like overnight. Um, like a guy like Centurio, who's who was is a pure miler. Um, you know, has has almost a subset into his name, and and I remember like I, I I'm sort of quite well, I'm friends with Trans Centralist, yeah, and, and, and I just sort of so I follow him, and I remember listening to some interviews, and it, even he in interviews is like, yeah, man, I'm I'm a 13-0 guy now, like I yeah, I guess I'm guess I'm ready for that, <laughs> yeah. like, Even even he was kind of like, uh, you know, it's just one of those performances that. Uh, we, as, as athletes, like to see, because it's like, wow, everyone can have one of those nights where it's just like, you just shock yourself. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, exactly. And those 100%. guys did just that, and, and it's cool. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. You know, you're not, not getting dragged around in, in Brussels behind 20 Kenyans, you know, yeah. it's which is, for me, far less impressive, because you're just getting sucked around. Those guys kind of just sort of had one 82 pacemakers at most. Mm-hmm. And one guy that apparently almost went the distance which is bizarre in itself yeah um, yeah. it's just like I don't know it's a, it's a strange story that guys like us uh, find interesting yeah
0: no for sure and I think what other people would I'm going to do a segue to some stuff we were chatting about before we got recording that I really enjoyed listening to it was some stories about about the old man and about how of course, you know I, I he, Steve was I wouldn't call him I wouldn't say he was my coach But he was kind of my advisor or mentor For a few I, he, years He there. took an interest in you Yeah So he, I would have been twenty twenty one at the time I was a 149, 800 guy And I loved his just old school In fact, you know what? I'm going to take back what I just said At the time, I don't think I did love it yeah, I was mm. almost like I wanted it to be more scientific But mm. now, I love it mm. Because I think Gee, I wish I'd really listened to him more. Yeah. And it's not like I didn't listen to him. It was more like sometimes he was so old school. It's so, frustrating. I was kind of like, surely there's, yeah. surely I have to be monitoring yeah. more. But in, in yeah. retrospect, probably not. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you told some funny
1: stories. And I well, I mean, it. I think he, he he is like the epitome of old school. And and it, and like you said, I was in the same boat many times where I'd argue with him about I don't know. Things that I've, I've heard about that, you know, yeah. I don't know, new training methods, new uh, he equipment, he and just shoes at that. and spikes and blah, blah, blah. And so,
0: for sorry, for listeners that
1: are maybe like longer distance athletes, let's
0: just quickly go through what your dad did. Of course, they would know, they would have heard of him, but 1980. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, that might take a while, it's like, it's, but the, a the, the, the big highlights, 1980,
1: Olympic champion, 800 yeah. metres. Olympic champion in 1980. He, he basically did... Um, he won everything you could yeah. so back in those days when Dow was at his best there wasn't a world championship there, there were what they were called world cups yeah. um, and then the first one came in 83 and he uh, he would sort of agree he was slowly on his sort of decline at that stage but he, he won multiple world cups so world championships in, in my book and his book uh, he was Commonwealth champion at the 5000 meters he was Olympic champion um, in over 800 meters in, in Moscow uh, he was European champion in uh, over fifteen hundred meters, and he probably should have been Olympic champion in fifteen hundred. He should have been champion, and and he was, he was European junior champion in uh, as a as a I don't know ten year old. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, he should have he should have also been Olympic fifteen hundred meter champion. Let's Not, start there. Let's yeah, start with that
0: story. Yeah. That is a classic. You wanna talk about it in the podcast? I, yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so nineteen eighty, let's go back. Oh, it's it's nineteen seventy
1: six, man, he should have won. Okay, let's, let's start there. He should have won the know hundred. I'm not so familiar with that year. Yeah, the job the, moment. It right gets overlooked because he was uh seventy six, he was twenty. Yeah. Um and were really the yeah. Olympics this year? That was in Montreal. That's right. And he made the eight hundred metre final with um uh, Juan Torino. yeah, Alberta. Yeah, and he it was the first and only time that the eight hundred meter was run in lanes for the first three hundred meters, mm-hmm. which is just a big mistake. You just don't do that because the guys in the lane, the outer lanes, don't get to see what the hell's going on yep. for half the race. It's a big disadvantage. It's a massive disadvantage. And guess what lane Dab was in for the final? One of the other ones. Eight. eight. Yeah. So he he basically lost. And he, 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 I don't think he would have won the eight hundred, but I, I think he could have meddled. But by the time they got to three hundred meters, like Alberto basically finished, and that was <laughs> like, like, wow, really, <laughs> I've really underestimated this guy." Yeah. Um, so that that kind of I think he finished fifth, which is still not bad <laughs> for a twenty-year-old. And yeah. then in the 1500 meter final uh, semifinal, he was tripped. That's right. Yeah. He was tripped, and he yeah. he never. Um, uh, nowadays, you get reinstated you know you just yeah. have to like get slightly boxed and you get reinstated <laughs> yeah um but he he tricked and no one really talks about it, 1976. No, I remember 1976 now and i'm sure he would have beaten john walker uh um, yeah. because the next year yes. the next year at um just sort of, oh, world, <laughs> yeah world cup he he destroyed him so much so that he not, quit he <laughs> <laughs> with, with 100 to go <laughs> he kicked so hard that John Walker stepped off the track because yeah. he was like, That's outrageous. <laughs> he just and said, That's rude.
0: That, that's a year later. So, oh, yeah, yeah, he would have won that. Please, anyone, like, <laughs> go to YouTube now or after you finish this podcast. Type in what? 1977,
1: 1977 World Cup. World Cup. C- because it's the OFC biggest.
0: It's the biggest kick I've ever seen. It's outrageous. Like, There's sort of a pack with about 200, 250, 200 to go.
1: And then. Your dad puts a good like eight meters yeah. on, in like a yeah. fifty meter period. It's like um, actually Seb Co actually said it himself. It's like the perfect executed yeah. fifty hundred meter. One of the all time perfect races. And he he ran like a twenty four point two hundred waving, <laughs> yeah. waving like last two hundred straight. Yeah. And John Walker at about a hundred and twenty to go. The the, the he the, just stepped the off the current Olympic champion. Yeah, you know, and he was a mile world record holder. You know, this guy ain't no like slouch no no no. he he literally stepped off and said afterwards like it was so mind-blowing that i couldn't couldn't handle running and processing (laughs) at the same (laughs) time like he had to like literally like step off the track and and sort of figure out what what was going on yeah um it's so funny he couldn't (laughs) run and process it at the same
0: time i mean watching it if you try and put yourself i hope people are watching this or like the youtube or they do after you can understand what he's thinking he's well just like, I, I'm sure he regretted he probably I, was I, sitting there with three ago thinking I'm probably going to win this Yeah, next I'll, minute yeah, next minute good. he's, he's yeah. got 10
1: metres yeah. behind I'm going to start moving up and then this guy just like explodes out of the cannon but I, <laughs> I, I'm sure John Walker like probably regrets stepping off the yeah. track yeah. because it, it was just probably one of those split decisions that he was like I'm out this race this guy like is in another world and yeah, it's one. And John Walker was, was and he is one of the greatest milers of, um, yeah, of uh, in history. So I don't want to, um, sort of throw him under the bus, no, yet, no, no, but no. I think it just sort of, um, showed dad's level at a very young age mm-hmm. in Montreal. Um, when people were talking about uh, 84 and, and 80 Moscow, at 1500, I'm talking 76. Yeah, uh, I think, um, I think he really could have already had one under the belt before mm-hmm. he went. Um, to Moscow and had that head to head with Seb. Yeah. So should we fast forward to 1980 now,
0: or is there anything that happened between 77 and 80? 8 and nah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We yeah. can fast forward. I mean, there's yeah. a fair bit that happened. But no. so 1980 Olympics, Moscow. He's predicted to win the 15, but not the 8. Mm. Seb was the favourite for the 8. Mm. Arch rivals. Uh, your old man, Steve, was predicted to win the 15 because he had the world record at that point. He,
1: I'm, I'm not a mile. I think. Um, they, I think I know it. Chop, it, chop, it chopped and changed I think between the, the best. So. The, the best stat was it was like 43 races unbeaten. Yeah, over 1500 cool. or mile. Yeah, um, and and he was the reigning it's like world club, world cup, and European champion. Yeah, I guess, and I think he was world record holder in either the 15 or the mile, um, and then Seb was this prolific. Speed merchant over 800 that was just again unbeatable, he just would run away from people. But, um, so so Seb was scheduled, well, not scheduled, Seb was thought to win the eight, Dad was meant to win the 15, and everyone sort of would go home happy. And, and the eight, eight was first, and um, yeah, Dad had other ideas, and and Seb sort of ran at this uh nervous race, which is understandable because the I think the. The build-up to that Moscow Olympics was something that, uh, from what I understand, was another level. Mm-hmm. Like, just those Olympics were just the only thing that mattered was by that and I just couldn't imagine the the things that they would have had to go through before those races, um, and how how Dad hand, handled himself in that eight hundred. It's just like it's... Yeah, incredibly proud of just the way he ran. It was just like he did not let anyone as as the race showed get in his way or no. anything. He was winning it from the gun. He was like, "I'm winning this, yeah. and I don't care who is who. I don't care who said 'Ko is'. I don't care who this guy is. I'm opening gaps and I'm um, winning it." And he did. And. And to have that sort of mentality in such a pressured environment where it's so easy to do what Seb did and be a little bit scared and hang a little bit back and give yourself a kind of easy way out. It was like, wow, that, that yeah. that's cool. You you really grasp that situation. Yeah. Um so he won and Seb didn't. And it was a it wasn't Steve Ovet won, it was Seb co loss, because Dad wasn't really favoured in the press because he he chose not to speak to the press and um yeah, I think I think he had a pretty, I think he had a pretty uh, sort of hectic night. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so the rumor is true uh, for people that are wondering. He did have a bender that night. He had a big one, and he woke up in a he woke up in a bathtub. Yeah, I think the
1: pro- <laughs> I think the problem was that he sort of made clear to me was that he was he was staying in the same I don't know compound or whatever they called it back in the eighties um, with with the as the Irish. Yeah. and the Irish and, and the dad had like really good mates like he just got on with the Irish sort of crew so they were like stoked that he won and uh, he was obviously stoked that he won as you would and yeah they, they sort of got amongst it a bit and had a bit of as you would it, man you, know, oh, yeah. you know he enjoyed it and um, that that's kind of cool as well but the problem was um, you know three or four days later that he was right back into it with in the 1500 sort of uh, heats and semis and finals. Was it even four or five days or was it less? I don't know, but... I think it was two or three days, of yeah. afterwards. So, like, he would have had to get up and, and sort of, you know, Dust run on detox, you know. <laughs> detox! You know. <laughs> Mid-Olympics! And you got detox. Seth, who's probably, you know, having his, his porridge and, you know, a nice cup of coffee. And so it was ready, to, steaming. Re- ready for revenge. Steaming. Yeah. And, and and as as he put it himself, you know, he climbed Everest, he went back down, they're like, dude, you've got to go back up. He's like, man, I want to go back up, and and he had to. And I think when you put it like that, I think it's kind of understandable what happened in the fifteen, and uh, yeah, oh, yeah, he 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 didn't win, but uh, came third. He did, he, he did come third. It's it's yeah, it's a, it's annoying for me. Like I I don't, I, I whenever I watch because cause Seb is so loved, they they just want to show the fifteen hundred over the eight hundred and it just hurts to watch him come off that curve and, and not not pass so, he almost yeah. looks a little tired yeah and not tired in a running way I've watched it like, <laughs> <laughs> I've watched that video like a hundred times I was saying to you like earlier like, yeah. I just I just still feel like he's going to come past yeah and he just never does no. I'm like yeah. he, do- he doesn't look the same <laughs> he doesn't he can tell something's yeah. up it's just like, he didn't want to be there he wanted he wanted to take his gold medal and and yeah. and go back home to Brighton and and be with uh be with his girlfriend at the time and and you know yeah. just enjoy it uh, as you can understand. Um, so it it shows you that even a guy that was as ruthless as he was in that hundred, even he's human and just like, of course he still wanted to win, mm-hmm. but it's it's that bit that you can't. Uh, there's always something inside us that you can't dictate yourself. Yes. You know, there's something that, like, no matter how you try and steer your motivation or whatever, that there's something deep inside of you that decides actually what that result is going to be. And, and for him, I feel that after the hundred, it was kind of like, you know, I can I can let my hair down. Oh, yeah. well, we didn't have much at that stage. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of like this perfect sort of way that it finished in the end because Seb won 15, Dad won the the 8 and everyone sort of went home still not knowing who, who was the better athlete so yep. in that sense it, it uh, sort of let the story roll on Yeah, mm. I reckon we should, uh, so now I guess
0: listeners are fully aware of what, what happened there although many listening would already know um, you know of course sweat elite's mostly about publishing training but we don't have to get into the details of it but at the same time I do want to get back to talking a bit more about his sort of ideology around training and how he how he approached races because he was he was a unique one in a sense of like you know let's talk about what we were talking about just before when he didn't you know you've seen photos of him training after he he was quite famous for or or well known to some extent back then of doing plenty of 10 mile road runs Mm. just you know morning 10 miles Mm. steady afternoon 10 miles (laughs) steady like he was doing them five, seven, eight times a week. Yeah, and he, you, you saw photos of him without a watch. <laughs> you know, he was just get out the door, some you know, punch a quick ten miles, get back, get back to doing what you're doing. Have a have a read You read know, the let's paper. talk about. Yeah, that, I yeah. mean, he didn't know what pace really was happening. Um, i I really,
1: I really um, envy that period where, of when they were brought up that they didn't have their Garmin watch. They didn't have. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like let's run to log on to and, and sweat a leak to see what everyone's going yeah. you know, what everyone's doing. You know, they they just literally like it I think he would get like a phone call in the morning and, and, and the phone like the guy would be like, Hey Steve, um, do you know what happened last night? And he'd be like, No. And they'd be like, Well, Sebco broke your world record and he'd be like, Oh really? What did he run? Oh, he ran three thirty one point two. Oh, okay, cool. Hangs up the phone. That's his information. Yeah. Like he probably didn't get to rewatch the race he do- doesn't get to like analyse the splits to an <laughs> no. umpteenth degree he just has a dude that phoned him at 7 in the morning to give him a bit of bad news <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and I just love that like yeah. when he tells those stories I'm like that's how you found out like yeah. you-, you-, you literally aren't the fastest human in the world anymore yeah. like it's but th- with the training he-, he certainly wasn't afraid to um, punch out mileage no and then again he wasn't afraid to do quality as well yeah I remember him telling me uh, one time that I – th- I can't remember the – I think he – he was – I think one of dad's biggest assets was that he, he just never uh, got injured.
0: No, he had that weird injury where he ran into a pole yeah <laughs> but, but that, that was that's not what you were call injury that's his
1: only way of injuring himself he literally ran he ran his knee into a, like um one of those railings that like yeah. kind of um, that kind of put an end to his that did that was that was it. kind of it was late. Yeah, because the way that they um, dealt with that injury was it just took way too long. He got infected, and yeah, that's right. But anyway, that's not really an injury. No, I mean, he, it is, but it's a it's it's not. He, yeah. he just pounded mileage. Yeah, you know, he he and and he would go out every morning and do ten miles, well and truly under an hour. Oh, yeah. like six minute mile pace was just like that's joking. Like yeah. it was just, and he had this training partner Matt Patterson that would drag him out every morning cause they because yeah. Matt Patterson worked in the school, so Dad had to get up early in order to run with him, he'd go out and punch, mile, you know, 52 minutes for a 10 mile, and then go back to bed, and then wake up, and you know, like it didn't even happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually got information about dad's training, not from dad, because he, he just literally couldn't remember it. Like, i got to... <laughs> He couldn't remember yeah. I remember asking him about he, he training his back His memory he, is questionable. He didn't know much. No.
0: He told me a little bit, but he was genuine. And it's not like he wanted to keep it a secret. Like, no. It was just more like, oh... Yeah, we did. Ten, we did ten miles in the morning, ten miles in the evening, and yeah. then I think ten 400s every now and then. Yeah. Like I don't know, six I think, by K. Like he, couldn't he was really, just
1: so good that he kind of just like he also really focused on racing. He did. And so he's
0: kind of like as long as we train really hard, yeah. he really cares. That's kind what of, the details. Yeah, are. Exactly, I think he's he kind was of more like. like that.
1: He, he made sure that he did everything he could so when he, got, when he hopped in bed at night, he was like, I am shattered. Yeah. Like, I was, yeah. like I've, I've run as much as I could today. Yeah. That session went really well with the, with the Phoenix group that they used to run with yeah. every day. Like, he was just a real club sort of man and that's yeah. why it was kind of cool that he was such a world beater. But, um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't have a watch when he'd go out and do 10 miles. You know, he wouldn't be like, you know, that was a, that was a great run. He would say that's a great run, but only because of how he felt. Yeah, and which that. is which is gold. Yeah, that's, is. I'm a huge fan of that. It is, but it, uh, that's what's been lost again today. You know, everyone's yeah. got their sort of oh, I just run. You know, through. it's amazing how yeah. it would just be so fascinating to have Steve
0: sit down and talk to someone that you know. I don't. I don't want to. You know what I'm saying like someone that's really new yeah. to running they do everything yeah. on their garment they do everything on training things and there's nothing necessarily wrong with yeah. that, but people that are like they can't they can't do anything without mm. their their garment they yeah. can't run they can't yeah. they don't know how to run yeah. without a pacer on their on yeah. their wrist. now I'm lucky because I grew up just before not, that yeah. period really started because when I was running started to take running seriously at the age sort of eighteen um were just starting and even even then it was just sort of pace and and that's about it now you obviously grew up a little bit later but you had your dad's you know mentality you sort of kept away from it still and
1: I wanted to keep away from it because I I really don't know how to explain it because as much as I tried to be like him I I couldn't. mm. I really wanted to just be like this guy that would just sort of knock out runs and and absolutely smash them and not think of it as a big deal. And it's hard because we're in a we're in a world today where it's thrust upon us to wear this thing on your watch to yeah. tell you how good you are and and, and to compare to people on Strava that I did this look at me you know what did you do I did this yeah. and you know and and it's the same with sort of Instagram and everything you know everyone just kind of wants to tell everyone what they're doing. And that's okay, because that, that's yeah, that, with that, that, that's just... what we've been told. But they they were brought up in a place far, far, far from that, so where far. they couldn't even probably imagine that a, that a watch is going to tell you these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just got on with it. And the the coolest thing about it is that it works.
0: It absolutely works. And to some extent, it's still it still has. Better. Most of the Kenyans do it. Yeah. Yes. Still you're
1: right. I mean yeah, I mean you followed Kim Cho was he wearing a watch or maybe? Yeah he he was, but he wasn't he wasn't looking, he wasn't looking at it.
0: You know, <laughs> yeah. I think the main reason why he was wearing a watch. So it could go back to correct, yeah. So that range. so so the data could go back to NN and running, so Nike could figure it you know, the whole Nike pro- project, uh, especially leading up to Monza, they needed to do they needed to know everything he was doing. Yeah. So, but it, I know I did take notice. He wasn't looking
1: at mm. much at all. Well, I guess that's a great sessions, so. comparison. The, yeah, the, the Kenyans are still. A, I mean, it's it's a third world country. Oh, like you know,
0: I've said this in other podcasts. I'm sure. So I'm sorry to repeat myself, but sometimes when I've been in Kenya and I've joined just random groups, sometimes they don't even know like how far they're about to run. They just they're just going out for a run, and that could end up being <laughs> it could end up being forty minutes. It could end up being an hour and a half they don't know mm. they, don't, they just do a loop and come back and it's almost like you just do
1: what you feel like and, and I guess I guess when why? you have that mentality it, it just it as Kip you would say like it doesn't limit you no so when all so the data tracking
0: absolutely it can you. limit you I've seen yes. it
1: I, I did a 10k with my girlfriend on the weekend and she wanted to run uh, under 48 minutes that yep. was her goal yeah and and she wa- and she has a Garmin watch, and I said, "I let me wear the Garmin watch, and I, and and I'll tell you the splits." And she's like, "Why would I? Why would I let you do that?" And I was like, "So you don't know how quick you're running?" And yeah. she's like, "I want to know how quick I'm running." And I was like, "No, let me do it." And I, we like we went out and we were running like four like four. we were running quicker than 48 Because I wanted yes. I wanted her to like smash it. Yeah. And I and she would ask me what the split was, and I'd just add ten seconds and she was fine Alex Hutchinson yeah do you know what I'm talking yeah, about yeah I do yeah. exactly yeah. and she was fine and she smashed it yeah. and I was like and I've experimented with that in my training on the bike because we have these things called power meters yep. which are just another level in yep. Garmin and people are obsessed with them to another level yeah. than their Garmin running watch and I try and not train with power and and I ride better when I don't look at my power, yeah. and and that's just the way I work. Maybe maybe people really thrive off seeing a split, and I can understand that. But getting back to the Kenyans or or Dad or the people training with Dad, they would just sort of go along for the ride, you know, and just like just see what happened. Yeah. And when when they didn't have a watch saying, "Dude, you're going way too fast, so you're going to explode," and and they'd probably get a little bit further each week, a little bit further, and. You know, the depth in those days was outrageous. Yeah. You know, like a 10K road race, you'd have hundreds of guys breaking 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Hundreds. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and... These days, not anymore. Like the Launceston 10K that they always go on about. Yeah. That you know, but, you know oh, look how amazing these performances are. And they are the top sort of four or five guys. But then the drop-off is severe. Yeah. Severe. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's not many sort of guys sort of in that next sort of ballpark figure. And it's because everyone just went out and just got dragged along on these club runs and just, you know, went on for the ride. Mm. Um, and with, and Garmin and all these products have, have helped in certain ways document sort of... Uh, I don't think they've
0: helped any performance, though.
1: They've helped their own bank account, that's yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah, I tell you what, someone pointed... I don't want to say his name. Um, it's, it's kind of relevant anyway, but someone pointed out interesting fact right on this topic recently to me when I started I started posting a few things on Instagram about how I've become a better runner when I've tracked less Mm. so um, I've improved a lot in the last 6 to 12 months and I've definitely made an effort to stop tracking so much run more and feel I don't want to go into any more details. In, well, in like you would go out for a run. Uh, I like, my, my, run and easy runs. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't track what I'm. I, I would just look. I just basically run to how I feel. Yeah, but you'd, all the but time. you'd
1: run 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, but sometimes on my easy runs, I, I would just go, I'm going to go out for a run, and I'm not sure how long for. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's impressive. I just do stuff like that. Yeah. And that's just because I've sure watched I the Kenyans do. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure even I could just sort of <laughs> go and do that. Yeah.
0: So sometimes it'd be 35. This is the easy runs. Sometimes it'd be 40. Sometimes it'd be an hour. It'd be somewhere in between there. Yeah. So I'd really make a point. It was an easy run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and someone pointed out that if you look at a lot of the western national records from 10k through to marathon a lot of them are still from like before Mm. 2000
1: a lot of them Mm. okay some, so some are recent yeah. some,
0: some are recent there are some but there's a lot there's like 60-70% of them mm. are from a long time ago mm. well before Garmin came out and then the Africans so why is that Africans,
1: Africans, Africans are completely different, different. But, they're, but they're they're all in the last year or two yeah and like every, every year every year every the year marathon's year. like yeah two or five is like just big right These yeah days. It's exactly like, yeah 205 like you know that like I don't know, like the Eindhoven Marathon, yeah. like the most random like marathon in the world. It's like some dude ran two hundred four. Yeah. It's like it's just na- it's natural. No, you're about it. You don't, no. and it's because these guys are just pack running. Yeah, and they're like, "What a you jog? You run your own one fifty nine down." Like I'm only running two hundred four. I need to a- <laughs> step up, and, the and, then, and they just step on it. And yeah. Then, but yeah, I I, I really kind of like that. You, yeah, you try to go down this path with less data because um... yeah. I just don't think it's healthy I don't think it's healthy to because you know you finish that run you have all this data and you just analyse the hell out of one it one of the worst things you kind of hinted at already
0: is now I love Strava I use it I think it's cool but one super dangerous thing and I see it happen a lot now competing from running well people are starting to go okay every run now has to look good mm. on Strava so people start doing their recovery runs really fast yeah
1: or even or even like making the because they're looking for the, or the, the, the or kudos or doing like an out and back so it looks like more of a prettier map yeah. picture you know you can think like it's like where am I going to run that kind of looks good on a map yeah I've heard people actually say that like and it's dangerous it's dangerous but you're just appealing to what they these platforms want you to do exactly um
0: so the whole coup it's, it's, its hard. It's hard. Like I, 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 again, I borrowed
1: my girlfriend's running watch when I did a bit of running in this. I I I continue to run, and and it's like when I just saw a split, like, you know, oh this is six minute mile pace. I feel alright. You know, let's see what five fifty feels like, and then it just creeps, and it's just like this is like. I remember telling my dad like, yeah, I, I like I feel alright. Like I did like a ten miles in sixty minutes in my, and like you know I'm full time cyclist. He's like. How do you know that i'm like because i borrowed christina's running watch and he's just like he was just like ah oh, that's the difference between me and you like this you, you you want to know and i just knew already yeah that, that, that you know and it's <laughs> <the> true <laughs> you know it's it's it, it's hard to just sort of um go out for a run these days yeah you know it is just. it, it just, is hard i don't find it easy
0: like I'm, I'm finding it easier the more I get into that habit of doing that because, because
1: you're I mean, curious. You 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 would want to know if you did feel good. How how good actually was it? And I had an advantage to some
0: extent because I've spent a, quite a few months now in total in Kenya. Mm. Yeah, you know, if I hadn't done that mm. and really noticed and really Open really eyes. really to the fact that these guys are are not tracking anything, really. A lot of the really good guys don't know what they're doing. Can't afford a watch, these guys. No, a lot of them can't. You know,
1: Kenya's a country that struggles to to drink, you know, find drinking water. A lot of them can't mm. afford drinking water. They, they just drink a, a gum watch. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're all, a long way even about yeah. thinking about that. So About
0: half of them, maybe not even, that have a stopwatch, mm. like a $10 stopwatch. Yeah. Just so they kind of know roughly what's going I'm on I'm sure when they do their track but, sessions
1: like they're, they're keeping you know the, well they've the, normally got a coach at yeah, the you know but that, that, that's that's been like since but, but, like,
0: so let's, let's this is actually and I, I don't mind the fact that this, this podcast is going slightly over because this is a super interesting topic now take the, the typical Westerner these days of course I'm really generalising here but typical Westerner will go to the track they've got 8 by a k k to do and they'll have a target time of 3 minutes and they'll be disappointed if they don't do mm-hmm. that right the Kenyans are going to the track they've got a coach at the end calling out the splits. But there's almost no way of them being disappointed because they're just punching the reps out and they're just... Okay, the one maybe reason why they would leave disappointed is if they get dropped badly by the group. But they're not being disappointed if their splits are a little off. They don't even know what's good and what's not. Why is
1: that? Why are these people as, as as a nation just so confident, I would say, that nothing can phase him in terms of a bad workout because I've seen it yeah. I've actually watched um, recently um, the Robinson Twins I, yeah. I, I, I saw a documentary on them and I saw one of them having a bad workout and he reacted incredibly poorly like, right. just like childish almost right. at this track and and the Kenyans were just rolling around <laughs> and they just continued going some yeah. stopped some some kept going and the 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 contrast was like Massive, yeah. Like, you've already contrasted that you're a white person in a black person's world at that point, yeah. But the way he acted, and I was just like, wow, that's it, that's a really <laughs> funny image. Mm. Um, and and you've been there, and, and and I still can't work out that even though some of them are still haven't made it and so desperate too, that why are they still so, uh, I don't know, like. Calm Mm. about work sessions not going well when it's everything to them, Mm. more than it is to Westerns. Westerners that if it doesn't work, I know
0: exactly what you're
1: saying, and I really don't know how to put it into words. You can't, can you? It's just the culture. It's just the culture. Mm.
0: Like they live in Iten, Kapta and also uh, Selulto in Ethiopia. They're just stress-free environments where Mm. people don't get bothered about anything. It's Mm. it's 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 really weird in a way.
1: It's great. It's really it's great. It's, it's absolutely great. Something it's that, just like something that a lot of us like envy yeah, and would, sure. would want to be like but just simply can't yeah. because it's normal human nature to react badly mm. when something goes bad that you really care about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like hearing something bad that's happened to your family it's like like you you can react badly. Mm. You know, because that's it's important to you. Yeah. Whereas with the Kenyans they just like they just take it and they stride literally and they they just sort of like well, still got, you know, money in the bank and that, you know, that sort of, yeah. I was meant to do 10 by K, I you know, kind of got to 7, I didn't feel really good and tomorrow's another day and I think that really says a lot about how athletes should act or try to act, mm-hmm. that it's just this massive, uh, long-term project mm-hmm. that they really invest in mm-hmm. and if one session goes bad, if you don't hit your two, three-minute Ks, or whatever. It's gonna be alright, mate. Mm. It really, it prom, it will. <laughs> if you got, if you get, if you've gotten through that session in the first place, like, yep. but it, it is hard because uh, we've both been there personally. Mm. Where it's just like, man, I really wanted that session to go the way I wanted to, and it didn't for whatever reason. Mm. Um, it's interesting, but it? the Kenyans, like, I, I think you've had podcast about them purely about why they're so good. Mm and that's just one of the reasons that no one can really quite put there I think it's just a culture thing like the first thing that comes to
0: mind which is a, probably a bit of a weird analogy or comparison is I just spent some time in Italy okay now I drove on, a, on the highway a few times and it's crazy yeah, it's like cool. people are speeding everywhere people are if, if I'm in the way of someone it's for a scary. second I'm going to get horned at scary now when I go to Finland just a couple of hours flight away it's the complete opposite yeah. everyone's calm no one's speeding it's just a culture thing yeah so my point there is of course it's nothing to do with running in Italy, people are for whatever reason. There's been a culture developed over decades or maybe centuries. Obviously not centuries with driving, but it's highly strong, especially yeah. on the roads. Finland's different. It's very calm. When I drive around in, in Finland, it's a, it's it's a breeze. It's yeah. like if it's, it's, you can't, no one's cutting anyone off. No one's honking anyone. No one's in a hurry. In Italy, it's the opposite. Mm. In Kenya, it's it's relaxed. It's, mm. it's that's how they're brought up. So mm. it's the first thing that came to my mind when you were asking the question of why. There's not an answer. It's just. It's just a a way that they've just it's just happened, and I guess it place. just
1: so happens that it works hand in hand with endurance sports, yeah, patience, yeah, and and calmness and and, and just belief in the process, yeah, um, yeah the,
0: the, and they know what the, that belief comment's so um, so worth sticking that with in a minute because they almost know as a, well they do know as a culture that the Kenyans are the best, yeah, <laughs> they know they do, that, yeah, and so they know that if they're even near. The best in their own place they're killing it yeah, they're there that's true, so that's in yeah. the back of their mind, too, yeah. And I believe
1: it's a huge thing, yeah, I guess I guess it's the same as like you know the Kiwi rugby scene or the yes. Brazilian football scene, like okay. you know that if yeah. you're one of the best that you, yeah you are you' are on your way, yeah you know, that's a good way australia like it. cricket yeah yeah and and westerners just aren't even unfortunately in mm-hmm. recent years with distance running that they haven't been in the same um, ballpark mm-hmm. i mean there's exceptions that mm-hmm. we all uh Sort of have looked up to over the years, but you're never quite pleased with whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and wherever you are in the Western world, because you, you know you know that there's this, you know, a couple of countries over in Africa that are just you know <laughs> going hammer and tong to get out yeah, of poverty. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's yeah, I don't know, running. It's, it's
0: such a simple sport, but it's, it's such a such complex a, one at yeah, the same time. People
1: people like to make things complex, yeah, because especially because, because we can. Way. In you Kenya, know, well, no. <laughs> they, they don't, but they but they can't because nah. they don't have these things that we do, and and you know we're a lot of us, definitely not me, are, are too smart though, for for their own good, you know, yeah. and they, they just analyse to the umpteenth degree, and um, you know I, I've seen many uh, sort of great Australian runners that me and you have both known mutually who, who as young athletes were incredible mm. and doing incredible things and then might not have progressed as the way as we thought or, or they thought or everyone else thought and I, and I think it's something to do with this this sort of what we've just been speaking about yeah. that the analysing the data, the watches yeah. the forums I think I know one who you're talking about exactly so um, and it's a shame yeah. because you know everyone was invested in that um, mm-hmm. and and yeah I guess that goes back to, to the days of uh, dad and Seb and mm. Cram and all these guys that they they were lucky that they they couldn't fall into that trap no and and I and I envy that I yeah. envy that I envy I envy being in that position and and, and watching it in the stands because uh, th- there was nothing holding them back mm. there was mm. nothing holding them back no. when they were on the line they just they were just desperate to win yeah because because they didn't have enough, Times were kind of they relevant. didn't really have enough information to to be convinced otherwise yeah you know they had a phone call they had <laughs> you know they had you know they go down to the track and did you hear Barry so and so ran this at Watford or whatever and you'd be like oh really yeah you know and that'd be it yeah. you wouldn't have Strava you couldn't look him up you couldn't you couldn't make yourself insane about whoever you were worried about because there just wasn't resources mm-hmm. and now there is and that's affecting people's performances mm-hmm. unfortunately but you know company's got to make money and uh, Strava and all these ones are, are in it like uh, yeah. like the rest of them so.
0: you could argue though that Strava Garmin, and all these other companies that we're talking about they have made it potentially more fun mm. but they haven't in my opinion really made in general people faster
1: I think I mean personally um, Strava's huge in cycling more, yeah, probably yeah. more so in oh, cycling yeah. than in running yeah, we, yeah. we have these segments on, on mountains yeah. that you can go after and I, I I incorporate it in my training that I that I just go after these mountain segments and and then you can compare to like uh, yeah I, I don't know if any of your listeners follow cycling but you know big time like the Yates brothers for example yeah. or um, I don't know Egan Bernal the, the current Tour de France champion you can actually compare your time to to them yeah. and which is gr- which is so cool yeah. that you can actually be like wow this is actually how I stack up against and yeah. that's really cool like I love Strava for that. But then, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I just not despise it, but it's the annoyance that it's just this absolute platform of information mm-hmm. that I don't really need to know yeah. about mm-hmm. and that I have to sort of make sure that I don't sort of research things that I don't need to know about. Yeah. But
0: it's there. So your advice to people, which is, would be exactly the same as mine, is with these, using all the you know Strava and Garmin and all these other... Yeah, be careful about what
1: you're taking notice of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, 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 the beauty of endurance sports is they're just such a personal thing. That it's literally just you're the one who's going out there and pounding the pavement, yeah. or doing the laps up and down the pool, or, or riding up, riding up a climb on a on a bike. Mm. You know, so remember that. Mm. Remember that you're not doing it to please a digital watch. Mm. You know, and and your feeling is good enough. Yep. That if you felt good that day, you did. Mm. No mm. one's taken that away from you. Yeah, Don't let true. a watch take that away from you. If yeah. you get back from Iran and you're like, wow, that felt good. I really think I'm progressing. Don't go and delve into the garment. Analyse it. Don't convince yourself otherwise. Yeah, because and that's what your dad was going. At. That's where. It's, that's where he was going. That's where Seb was going. That they would go and do a, a run or a workout, and they knew that that was it. That was good enough. That yeah. they, that they felt good, and yeah the the response that they wanted from that session was there purely right. from feeling, not from numbers yeah. and and I'm not against no, I'm not against figures because no, I neither think, am I. that's what yeah. we are that's what you yeah. and I race against we race against a clock at the end of the day mm. um but just don't invest too much into it if you if you if you are able to
0: yes yeah. awesome. Freddie thanks so much for your time mate it was really good to catch up we're going to go get some Spanish tapas now yeah pleasure but uh, yeah it was really good to have you on and I'm sure I have a feeling we'll probably do this again at some point
1: yeah sorry for, for uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time I've spoken too much but, uh, no we're uh, supposed to we try, I try and keep these to about an hour we've got an hour 16 but it's not a, it's not, a not a problem yeah
1: I suppose uh, the proof will be in the, the stats if that's, your uh, that's listeners right. actually listen to it on like
0: <laughs> cool alright thanks again thanks for listening in